Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. Welcome in to Tim and Boy <laughs> on 101 ESPN. It's a show doing business as Balloon Party, Honesty and Media, Our Town. But I think the one that's really just caught fire is Tim and Boy. It's got a nice ring to it. Hey, Tim and you, Boy. Did you hear Tim and Boy today? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be the most likely answer. <laughs> no, what are you talking no, about? No, I sure didn't. Uh, Jackson, the Blues are in action tonight. You're excited because you like the Flyers' uniforms. Well, amongst uh, other reasons. Oh, really? Well, geez. Well, so just, let, me, let me get out of the way and let you go here, Don Cherry. What do we got? Oh, just to see the note, grab a W. That's what I'm looking Does that mean to. you will be watching? Yeah, I'll watch. Okay. You will? Yeah, I'll watch. I noticed you kind of looked away like, oh, no, now I committed to this. That's what I picked up on. Well, it's going to be, you know, everything's going to be better than that Canadiens game. So so you're committed. All right. Only up from here. Blues and Flyers tonight. Uh, you can catch the fun and games right here on 101 ESPN. Pre-game at 5 p.m. as the Blues try to make it two in a row. And then they head home on Friday night for a game against the Sabres, a rare Friday night affair. I'm going to take my son to another game. Oh, nice. And uh, and now that, uh, you know, we have a three-week-old, so I'm spending more time with the four-year-old, and he loves hockey. Mm-hmm. And I love that he loves hockey, and he's out there skating, and he loves skating, and I love watching him skate. It's the funnest thing going on uh, for me as a parent. And I'm like, maybe I'll take him down there, just me and him, but I don't know if that's hi- a high-risk move. I don't know if that's a high-risk move, and do I want to do it on a Friday night? I don't yeah. know. I'm kind of thinking about Tough the whole call. thing. Don't want to take the three-week-old. I think, actually, that's against the law, the medical <laughs> law. I don't right. think the three-week-old will be going. But I was thinking about it. I'm like, ah, Friday night, that might not be a bad play for uh, the Blues and the uh, the Sabres. But Blues and Flyers tonight. Uh, coming up on today's edition of Tim and Boy uh, with Joe Buck Podcast, which you can totally you can watch now. I like that we're doing that. So if you want to watch it, it's at uh, YouTube.com slash TMASTL. I don't know how people like to consume their interviews. Number one, I'll ask this. Mm. I got a bunch. I've got a bunch of questions for the audience today. Do you like long form interviews? All right, that's that's number one. And, and when I say long form, I'm talking about a minimum of a half hour conversation. That's how I'm going. Do you consider that long form? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you like long form interviews? If so. If all things are equal, and you can choose, because sometimes if I'm working out or if I'm hitting golf balls or if I'm driving, I obviously can't watch. But if I can watch, I personally would rather watch. So that's why we decided to put it up on YouTube so you can watch it in its entirety, youtube.com slash TMASTL. It's up in its entirety on the Tim McKernan Show podcast. But there could be a big shift 
in the um, football broadcasting world, as the sound you will hear in my conversation with Joe Buck uh, is on somebody who's his best friend. Now, not his absolute best friend. Um, it'd be a little weird if you're in your 50s and you're ranking best friends. But uh, one of his close friends is Troy Aikman, who he's been calling games for 20 years. And you heard Richard Dyche on the, the show, uh, the Sports Illustrated, uh, or used to be Sports Illustrated, the athletic media critic. And he said uh, he thinks there's a good chance that Aikman leaves to go to Amazon. Well, if that's the case, then Joe will have a new broadcast partner. So here is my question to the people. In addition to, do you like long-form interviews? Question number two, do you prefer to listen or do you prefer to watch? Who would you pair if you are Fox with Joe Buck if Aikman goes? I honestly don't know. I really don't know. Yeah, it's a tough call. Which then led to something you sent over, Jackson, Mm -hmm. which was, how do you know if somebody is going to be good as a current player if they want to get into broadcasting? What traits do you look for and who would be a current player, whatever sport, who you look at right now and say this person, if, if he wanted to, if she wanted to, can be an outstanding broadcaster. Right. Most likely color analyst, but who yeah. knows, maybe play-by-play. I don't know. Um, so those are the, ca- the categories uh, that I've got for the questions for today. So fire those off at 65780. I've got a bunch of them, so fire them in. Answer them all. Answer one, answer two. What I, do whatever you want to do. Air Comfort Service text line 65780. All right, I'm firing those at you now. Mm-hmm. I'm firing those at you now. All right, first question. Do you like long-form interviews? Yes. Okay. You answered that instantaneously. Yeah. And you looked me in the eye, unlike when I asked you if you're watching the Blues <laughs> and Flyers, in which you looked away, right. which which told me I should come back over the top and three-bet you. All right. Uh, do you prefer to watch or do you prefer to listen? I personally prefer to listen. I'm a listen guy. AirPods, it's just I'm doing some, working out, running, driving. Uh, but I, I do like to watch. It depends on the person. Uh, but I like to watch too, but more so I probably listen I more. love, I just love, like, I, I guess maybe growing up, you had Costas's show, it's called Later, mm-hmm. it's on super late, uh, not coincidentally named, but I would get up and I would, whether you'd uh, put that, I guess you would tape them on VHS, I suppose, because it goes back that far, but I love those kinds of interviews I loved Joe's show on the Audience Network, and then Dan Patrick took that thing over. I don't know if that's still going on now, those long-form interviews with sports legends. Love what Howard Stern will have, long-form right. interviews. Love those. Yeah. Who else is a great interviewer? I'm trying to think of who else stands out as, as a great interviewer. I could sit and watch the person. I feel like I'm missing an obvious one. I mean, I guess Oprah Winfrey and Barbara Walters have that, yeah. that yeah. cachet as an interviewer, although I'm not necessarily sure... I know she certainly would get considered a great interviewer, but I'm not sure that Oprah Winfrey is actually a great interviewer. I think being a great interviewer is just essentially listening. Yeah. The questions come from the previous answer of the per. It's a conversation. Right. And I think what you mentioned before with some of those names is making people feel comfortable enough mm-hmm. to open up and, and be completely and totally honest. Uh, and I think some people are more on the defensive, and if you can get those people to open up and be a little more comfortable, that's when you get the really, really good interviews. And long form is more conducive to that. I've said this uh, before on TMA, uh, but acknowledging that the Venn diagram of the uh, balloon party listener in TMA is not necessarily particularly close. I would say if it's in the solar system, it would be one Saturn and one is Mercury. Mm. Uh, And that is um, when I'm doing a podcast interview with somebody and they curse – 
and then they go, oh, I'm sorry, can I curse on here? That's when I know they've gotten comfortable. It's not because I'm like, oh, sweet, they cursed. It's because now I know they're comfortable because they're talking how they would talk if there was not a microphone present. That, to me, is a tell. Uh, The next question that I posed to the audience, and I will pose to you, which will lead to what we will play from Joe Buck coming up. Um, Troy Aikman, let's say he goes to Amazon and uh, the number one team on Fox Mm -hmm. needs a new color analyst for the first time in two decades and they will call the Super Bowl next year. Yeah. Joe has the Super Bowl next year on Fox. Uh, who would you like to hear in that spot? So this is anybody. I can pick anybody. You can pick anybody. Yeah, I... Outside of like a Tony Romo who's <laughs> right, you right. Know, at CBS or Collinsworth who's at NBC. And I'm not sure where he, I know he's in broadcasting, but I think he's fantastic is Greg Olson. I think he's so talented. Wow, you're already high on Olsen. That was Richard Dyche's play. I, I, I think he's fantastic. I've, I thought that from the first second he got in the booth. I didn't really think of him before when he was a player, uh, probably just because I didn't know his personality too much, but he's, I think he's really talented. Yeah, uh, Olsen is the, 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 the considered the favorite really? uh, for the spot, according to Richard Dyche, should that happen. Um, I'm, not sure if that, I'm not sure it's going to happen. But then the question would become, if it doesn't happen, who then goes with Al Michaels to Amazon? Yeah. And yeah. Al Michaels at 77 isn't looking to, like, coach somebody <laughs> no, up. No, no. Like, either Joe Buck is coaching somebody up next year. Yeah. Or Al Michaels is. Yeah, and the more likely play would be Joe would be coaching someone up. All right, we're, we're talking current Mount Rushmore of play-by-play guys. We've got Al Michaels, Joe Buck, and Jim Nance. Are we all in, are we all in agreement on that if we're talking network television? Yeah. Okay, then who's the fourth if we're going hashtag Mount Rushmoreing? Oh, boy. All right, I'm putting you the man to the test. Hmm. I, but I'm buying time for myself as I'm I'm thinking who the fourth one is. Harlan? Mike Tarico? Tarico would be for sure. I think that's there. where I would go. Yeah. But I feel like I might look at the text line. Yeah, someone might send some. Uh, Tarico, certainly, if he's he's other receiving votes, if he's not on the Mount Rushmore, he's fantastic. You take Tarico over Chris Fowler? Yeah. Uh-huh. So, all right, I would as well. But I just thought I'd throw out a name associated with college football. Yeah, and if thinking, Doc Emmerich at the moment yeah, uh, with his to... retirement, but a couple of years ago, I bet he would have been yeah. right there. Mike Breen is fantastic. I know that's an NBA thing, but I think nice. Mike, I think Mike Breen is. At least you can check your box for the first segment that you did weave in the NBA. Yep, yep. Mission accomplished. Um, and then athletes, while you're watching them play and then interact with the media, who you can tell would be outstanding broadcasters, and what is it the traits that make them such? For example, an obvious one locally, Adam Wainwright. Right, absolutely. Knowledgeable, sense of humor, Mm -hmm. ability to tell stories, passionate about the sport they're calling or they're playing and then would be calling. Those are are the traits that I would think of when I think of them. But then sometimes guys are... You know the opposite and end up being great. Like I don't think many people, when Charles Barkley was playing, would think that he would be some outstanding. God, you might be right on that because it's tough to take myself back to thinking of Barkley solely as a player and not a broadcaster because you're going back so long. I mean, people knew he was funny and that he was open to being, you know, kind of a a figure because he was in Space Jam, but he wasn't necessarily polished. And at the time, network TV was different than it is now, so I don't know if people really thought that he would be. You know, and but that's a rare case. I think more so, like you said, personable sense of humor, just generally articulate. Like can, you know, because a lot of guys have great thoughts in their heads, but can they get it out on TV? Can yeah. they say it? Can they deliver it in a way that's easy to consume? Yeah. 
I, I, Wainwright would strike me as is one that if he wanted to do it, he could theoretically be working with Joe Buck on the World Series within a few years. Not trying to get John Smoltz out the door, but I think <laughs> yeah. he is. I think he is at that level mm-hmm. of talent. I feel like the game of hockey has the surplus on it because there are so many personalities. Uh, they have a passion for the game, right? And uh, kind of recognizing that it's not necessarily about you know the wearing wearing the C on the sweater so much as that that logo on the front mm-hmm. uh, winning, and sometimes that's the key. And, and you're you know you're the, the number two role or the number three role on a broadcast team in a game. So from that standpoint, I feel like they're a bunch. They just don't have the name recognition that say an NFL player would be or an NBA an NBA player. Yeah, somebody in in the NBA right now would want to go. Um, but yeah, I mean. The one that gets asked about, and who did I hear? Oh, I saw Joe interacting with uh, Jimmy Traina. It was a sports media podcast. And he goes, I'm going to throw this one out here for your Troy Aikman replacement, Tom Brady. And he said, absolutely not. He said, not because he wouldn't be good. I have no idea. He's been good at football at a level that nobody's ever seen before. So it doesn't mean that he wouldn't be good as a broadcaster. I just do not see any scenario in which he leaves the game and five months, six months later, he's... He's a color analyst on Fox. Yeah, that doesn't seem like a move he would make. And I also, so that's the thing, and I can't necessarily put a finger on it, but I don't think Brady would be good. I think he would be fine. I don't think he'd be at that level. I just don't think that would be, I just don't, I don't, and I, and I really can't explain why. I just don't think he would be good. But, but I'll tell you this, I don't know if I would have thought Troy Aikman would have been as good as he's been. You know, yeah, it's tough for me to put myself in there because you're, th- yeah, you're thinking born. of the 1990s, but I just don't think that that's necessarily someone you would have thought of. Uh, Kurt Warner, in hindsight, having covered Kurt Warner, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, his ability. Um, but if you take a look at, for example, a Tom Brady and the level of player he is, certainly if he wanted to do it, they would give him the shot, but I'm just not sure he would. One of the key things on it is that you don't necessarily think of is the comfort level with criticizing your peers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's where Drew Brees got into a weird spot this year and justifiably was criticized for it. You've got to be comfortable. Can't be personal. Can never be personal. Right. But critiquing professionally the players and i think that's something that a comfort level has to develop uh really right out of the gate or else you'll be considered essentially a a plant for the players sure yeah and then you don't have credibility with the audience it's difficult Uh, your thoughts are welcome six five seven eight zero tim mckernan with you here on 101 espn we'll play that clip uh from uh joe buck talking about the aikman situation coming up also I loved this article. I sent it to you last night, Jackson, because mm-hmm. I said, I want to make sure we get into this. This is near and dear to my heart. And actually, I think it when we talk about baseball and the state of things, I think the postseason plays a role in, uh, in why my interest has declined. A gentleman has concocted for ESPN a mathematical formula on what the best postseason format is. And this is all of the postseason formats the game has ever seen. So you're talking about back in the day, which went through, what, 69 perhaps? Right. Where it was just you win the National League, you're in the World Series. The pennants. Yeah. Uh, Then what I grew up on, which was you win the National League East, you're in the the LCS Uh uh, against the National League West. Then what came to fruition following the strike in 94, uh, the wild card along with the three division formats, so four teams in the playoffs, and then the format that we've had ever since 2012. Um, 
and uh, or 2013. Well, whatever. Whatever's going on right now with a wild card game, and then uh, a potential 12, 14, and 16 team format, and what will get you the best winner more often than not and the best winner being the team that was the best throughout the course of the year uh and while it sounds incredibly baseball nerdy uh this absolutely stimulates the hell out of me and i feel strongly about it actually so uh, we have that coming up for you here on today's edition of balloon party my name is tim mckernan uh, Action Jackson is uh, standing across from me. He is now going by Tim and Boy. Uh, and you are listening to 101 ESPN. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan with you here on the uh, show. You can call it Tim and Boy if you would like. All right, getting a billion texts. I want to make sure I read them. Uh, let's see. Uh, I've heard Greg Olson is a favorite to take over for Aikman, or we'll do both. Yep, but we were talking about the Joe Buck. You'll hear that momentarily here. Um, Greg Olson keeps getting a lot of votes. Kurt Warner getting a lot of votes, though. How about that? Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, Tim, what's the name of the YouTube channel where I can see the interview? That is uh, youtube.com slash T-M-A-S-T-L. Let's see. Howard Stern is the greatest interviewer of all time, hands down. Certainly would be among the top for me. And at this point, when I listen to his show, that's all I listen to. I just Mm -hmm. listen to the interviews. I go back. He had Dana Carvey and uh, David Spade on last week or two weeks ago, and it was outstanding. Uh, let's see. Guys, Greg Olson sounded like he needed to clear his throat during caca games. That's from the 636. He did Battlehawks games? I didn't know that. I don't remember that. And I watched I him. Know, I didn't know that he was doing them. I know McAfee was like the sideline reporper, and that was great because he would ask guys after they made bad plays <laughs> what, what happened. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Peyton Manning would be great with Joe. I got to tell you. Now you, I can see I'm picking up a physical tell. You wouldn't, you don't agree. I think he would be outstanding. See, I think Manning would be great, and I don't think Brady would be. I think Manning would be better than Brady. I think Peyton's great at what he's doing right now with his brother. I know that's the thing. He's got this thing going. I don't think they mess I think, with it. I think that is the answer, and I think a lot of guys would fall into that category rather than the classic color analyst guy. I think more guys would fit into like the looser format much more so than what they have going on now. Here's here's the one that you are going to agree with. Chris Long. You know, I Chris Long is my favorite athlete ever. I religiously listen to his podcast. I think he again is better at a, a Peyton Manning kind of thing, a looser format. God, I, th- I think I think I think, I think he would actually be I think he would be outstanding. I think yeah, cause, well I think because he has uh, he's so personable and he has so much personality. Smart. Right. He's and intelligent. Super human. smart. Yeah, I think he'd be good at anything in broadcasting, but I think he'd be better suited for a Manning-type thing. Uh, how about Joe Buck, Adam Wainwright, and Yachty or Molina in the box doing games? Fun, funny, informative, and call a good game. That's from the 573. Uh, what about Tony Bank? Yeah, That's from Mitch. Talking. I do play the cello. Come, Steen. Uh, right. Tony Bank, I don't know if he's in the mix. Ty Hill. Be wonderful. Uh, I don't know if Felony is still with us or not, but that would be a nice little bit they could do during a game that gets away. All right, so Joe Buck on the uh, Tim McKernan Show podcast. We played his thoughts on baseball. Here is what he had to say regarding the Fox broadcast booth and the potential domino effect on uh, what will happen around uh, the NFL and broadcasting this year. Take a listen, if you would. Now, I'm asking this, I'm sure you're getting asked it on your one or two appearances when you do these things, but I'm asking it more because I know you're friends with him about what Aikman's going to do, you know? Um, 
I, I honestly, hand to God, because um, I do get asked it a lot, and I did just spend a lot of time with him in L.A. at yeah. the Super Bowl. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know how this is going to shake out. I can I can also hand to God uh, and say on the health of my kids, I've not talked to Fox for one second about any of it, which is surprising to me on one hand. Uh, on the other, that's Troy's business. And right. he's a 50-whatever-he-is, five-year-old man that um, – that has the ability as a broadcaster after 21 years at Fox and 20 years doing the main game with me uh, to, to explore options. So I don't know. I don't know what the options, the, I don't know the option that, that will fit him best, but I just, I always hope it's with me, but I can't control that. So I just have to kind of sit here and twiddle my thumbs. Yeah, and I, and I didn't. But I, didn't want to, I asked it poorly because it made it sound like I was asking, "What's he going to do?" Which, of course, even if you knew, and I'm not saying you do, you're not going to say anyway, out of respect for the thing. But how important is it for you for it to be? I mean, you have a great relationship with with him. I mean, he really is a, a close friend. And so I, I, I just think that it's, this. It's, it's, I mean, sure, you'll be able to do it. You've had a bunch of different partners, but I'm just like, I wonder how important that is to you internally. There's just a comfort there that in today's media landscape and and kind of the ratcheted up pressure that comes with the job and and most of it's self-induced the pressure but i i feel like it's a different job than it was 20 years ago i, really? I feel like it's Why more there's more pressure involved and and there's there's you know it's not just social media i i think there's very little margin for error in these games so how important is it? It's just, it, it eliminates kind of the unknown for me. I know after 20 years where Troy's going, he knows where I'm going. He knows when I'm going there. I know when he's going there and, and I know kind of how he watches a game. And I know the few things that I'll feed him during the course of the game is stuff that he wants and the stuff that I could potentially feed him. And I don't, I know he doesn't want because I'm, I'm driving him into a corner to respond to what I'm asking him instead of letting him just have free reign to talk about what he wants. So that's all stuff that develops over time. And uh, I think people know when they hear us on air that we're actually legitimately good friends because we, I think that comes through. And, and so, hey, if it changes and now I'm working with somebody else, I'll try to develop that as fast as I can, but, but this is just a known quantity and that's hard to see walk out the door. If that does happen, Joe Buck on the Tim McKernan show podcast, you can listen to it in its entirety, subscribe to the podcast, just download the morning after STL app and uh, everything is up there for you. Or you can watch it. If you enjoy watching long form interviews, about a 40, 45 minute interview, uh, youtube.com slash TMA STL. So my takeaway from what he said about that, the fact that Fox hadn't talked to him, part of me then goes, okay, well then Aikman isn't going. Mm-hmm. But then if you were to play the hand out that way, then you would say, okay, if Aikman isn't going, then who, who is Al Michaels working with? Because Al Michaels, as we said in the previous segment, isn't going to work with just anybody sure. at this point in his career. So sure. then Al Michaels may be working with somebody who is established, who we may not be thinking of. Yeah. So on the other hand, and then, then, then if Aikman is going, who would Joe Buck work with? Um, and you mentioned, you mentioned the idea of, of Greg Olson, which right. is who Richard Dyche said on the show would be, would be the one. Um, 
And I could see that, but I could see him also going outside the box. I do like the idea of Peyton Manning, but I just don't see that happening. They did just sign, I think, a three-year extension at ESPN, sure, so yeah. I don't think I don't see that happening as an option. You know? Yeah. Uh, I also I didn't kind of caught me off guard when he said it's it's a tougher thing to do now than it was 20 years ago. And I was thinking when he said that, oh, because of social media. But he said <laughs> not just because of social media. Yeah, I think I think people dig too far in just because I just think more games being broadcast opens you up to more broadcasters. So people are like, I like this guy, I like that guy. This guy doesn't root against my team, or I think this guy does. And in almost every case, no one's rooting against anyone's team. But I think that social media kind of materializes that in people's head, and then it's a, you're lost from there. Is there somebody calling a game who will – ruin the experience for you or to not use as strong of a verb lessen your enthusiasm for watching the broadcast personally no i've never been uh, sometimes mizzou will catch an sec network guy that miss you know says Conzo's name wrong and that sometimes bothers me but other than that i, I never really get like bothered by broadcast because i'm focused on the game mm-hmm. i i doesn't i know some people do and you know that's how you feel, but I've never like watched the game and like I have to turn the sound off. I've never had that ever. When Romo initially started, I was enamored by how he was able to see what the quarterback was doing and, and then observe what mm-hmm. they were likely to do or see what yeah. the defense was doing and then think how the offense was going to counter it. And then I just felt like this year, in particular in the playoffs, it just got a lot of... He said some things were just flat out inaccurate, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. and surprisingly so. And then I felt badly for Jim Nance because he's in a weird spot. Cause he's kind of got to carry him because he can't, you know, scold him or correct him. You're, yeah. in, a, you're in a tough spot. Um, I, I don't know if I necessarily have. I, I could have a telecast itself that lessens, sure. yeah. like the way that it's produced. Yeah. But I don't know if somebody's calling a game at this point in sports casting. At that level, where I'm going to go, oh, there's no way I could possibly enjoy this. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, I'll watch Pac-12 basketball just to hear Bill Walton call the games. Mm-hmm. I love him and Pash when they go back and forth. I find that hilarious, and it keeps me watching Pac-12 basketball, which is good in itself. When Doc Emmerich was doing it, it felt like the game was bigger um, yeah. because yeah, his voice that. was on it. I think a lot of people... Um, if they can recall, Madden and Summerall felt the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what Buck and Aikman have become, Nance yep. and Romo. Uh, at the time, Michaels and Collinsworth. We'll see who Michaels is working with now. Uh, Tariko will likely be replacing Michaels on NBC. And so those guys have that cachet. If Joe Buck is calling a Cardinal game now, even though it was something we grew used to in the 1990s, you feel like the game is more important. So there is that element. And for Missouri football fans... You, you get a, you got a sense that uh, Deuce McAllister was was as involved in Missouri athletics as Mike Kelly was because he was on every single game this yeah, year. Yeah. But when you had in that 2010 Oklahoma game, I'm virtually certain Brent Musburger was on the call. Yeah, he was because uh, John McGaffey opened it up with the kickoff, and he said just like last week, and they had the opening kickoff return for a touchdown last week. It makes the game feel bigger and for college football which is built around pageantry and circumstantial enthusiasm 
that really does add to it. Uh, so you can listen to the entire interview. It's at youtube.com slash TMSTL or subscribe to the uh, Tim McCurney Show podcast and uh, listen to its entirety. Joe Buck, our guest, talking about uh, broadcasting and what could happen with his good friend Troy Aikman should he leave to go to Amazon and who would replace him. All right, this is something I'm going to go deep into the weeds on here. Uh, did someone say expanded MLB playoffs? We find the perfect postseason format. Jackson, be ready. I'm going to go full nerd on you here. Let's do it. I'm going to go full nerd on you here. It's coming up next on Balloon Party 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Than you kidding me, I noticed. Yeah. And it I mean, was so natural. I'm, I'm really talented. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I think people have noticed in these. Yeah, I felt like I was watching here. Daniel Day Lewis. Right, right. My left foot. There will be blood. Uh, Lincoln. Last of the Mohicans. <laughs> Phantom, Phantom Thread. Missing that. Scorsese. Yeah, gangs of New York. Gangs of New York. That's the only now. That's the only ones I can name. Oh, nice. That means I won. Yeah, I think you win. Yeah. It was a nice win. Welcome back to Tim and Boy on 101 ESPN, where we randomly named Daniel Day Lewis films. Uh, like Tim, I also went to Mizzou for a cup of coffee. Well, I went there for five years. I just didn't graduate. Like Tim, I also went to Mizzou. The thing that's sad is I was there for five years and didn't graduate. That's what we should focus on. Right. Like Tim, I also went to Mizzou for a cup of coffee and wrote for my high school newspaper. I'll be happy to butcher a Sports Center update and upset your loyal Bluesier listeners like boy <laughs> god it's a great nickname <laughs> i hope to be boy just forever put on my gravestone boy uh six five seven eight zero if you would like to attack the hosts of this show it's called balloon party some call it tim and boy all right jackson this is i want you to pay attention and pay attention real good just like you're going to be locked in uh to the fourth line of the flyers tonight this is written by david schoenfeld of espn now they're talking about expand. They're doing everything they can, just like <laughs> make me not pay attention to baseball, like you don't pay attention to hockey. Right. Talking about expanding the uh, playoff field, the owners have proposed a 14-team postseason, while the players have countered with a 12-team setup. Although undoubtedly, will agree to 14 if the owners bend on the salary-specific disputes. Baseball has always prided itself on the fact that it's more difficult to make its postseason than the ma- other major sports with 10 playoff teams currently compared to 14 for the NFL and 16 for the NBA and the NHL. Uh, So, first off, he lists five different criteria for determining what the best setup is for a postseason. The criteria are as follows. Regular season integrity, and you get points 1 through 10, for if it doesn't hold up the regular season integrity, it's a 1. If it does, it's a 10 and anything in between. Postseason fairness, same deal, 1 to 10. Fun factor, certainly subjective, right? 1 to 10. Drama, 1 to 10. Oh, four factors, excuse me, and then adds them up. So it goes through all of the postseason formats that have existed in the game, and that's really not that many. There have been four. And then potentially what they are looking at, which is the 12-team player proposal, the 14-team owner proposal, and then even going to 16 teams. Oof. Oof. Now, I want to establish this on the front end of the discussion. I think it's important because one of the other names our LLC is operating under is 
honesty in media. Right. right. And that hasn't taken off like Tim and Boy. No. Yeah. We have a runaway train on our hands. Yeah. Uh, honesty in media. And honesty in media is I am biased. I am biased by what I grew up with, which I think is oftentimes the case for sports fans, music fans, whatever the case might be, um, and uh, Saturday Night Live casts. And it's it's skewed by the age you were when you had your favorite. And for me, my favorite was the 1980s, and I loved you won the division, you were a step away from the World Series, but you had to win a best of seven. Now, keep in mind, the best of seven didn't start up until 1985. With all of that said... They rank, well, not they, Schoenfeld ranks them. So baseball, all the way up until 1969, just had, if you win the National League, you win the pennant. If you win the American League, you win the pennant. Uh, That was what went on from 1903 through 1968. When combining all of the factors, regular season integrity, it had a 10. Because, my goodness, you were your best team in your league in the regular season. You're going to the World Series. How could it not be? Postseason fairness, a 6. Fun factor, a 3. Drama of five, total points of 24. Now, one of the ways he calculates this is the best team winning. Is the best team the team with the best record for the purpose of this discussion? The answer is yes. And in that uh, in that scenario, from 1903 through 1968, the best team won 60% of the time. The team with the best record overall in the regular right. season mm-hmm. won the world championship. I like that. Yeah, I like that. Uh, but then you go to the format that I like, which is LCS and World Series. Four teams go into the playoffs. For the record, I don't see this ever happening, but calculating the best postseason. That went on from 1969 to 1993. There was one exception with the strike year of 1981. Maximum playoff game scenario, 21. The best team won during that time period, 29.2% of the time. So only 3 out of 10 World Series did the team with the best regular season record win in that scenario. And one of the examples he cites is 1987, near and dear to those of us in the St. Louis metropolitan area. The In 1987, the Tigers won 98 games. I didn't realize the Tigers won 98 games the year the Cardinals won the National League East. The Blue Jays won 96, the Brewers won 91, and the Yankees won 89 and they were all in the American League East. Meanwhile, the Minnesota Twins in the American League West won the West with 85 wins, and then they went in to win the World Series. Their playoff rotation, Frank Viola, Burt Blylevin, and Les Straker. I watched that World Series. Mm -hmm. I remember Tom Lawless's home run. I have no idea who Les Straker is. I just remember I felt like Frank Viola started every single game. Uh, And then he also points this out. Um... The weird deal about that time period was home field advantage wasn't based on regular season record, but instead alternated back and forth. And the Twins had a unique home field advantage with the old Metrodome with its noise, roof, bouncy turf, and perhaps, as was later discussed by some members of the Cardinals, a timely blast or two of air conditioning. Yes, indeed. Accusations of the wind blowing in when the visiting team would be at bat and the wind blowing out in the Metrodome when the Twins were at bat. Yes. Uh, Those 87 Twins went 56-25 and at home, and they were 29-52 and on the road. And they were the World Series (laughs) champions. That's crazy. Uh, Not coincidentally, uh, in that World Series against the Cardinals, they won all four games at home, and uh, same deal as in their LCS, and same deal as in their 1991 World Championship. Total points on that with regular season integrity being an 8, postseason fairness an 8, fun factor is 6, drama 7, 29. So that's the leader in the clubhouse. 
Then the number of playoff teams being eight, which went on from 1995 through 2011. That one got the best team 18% of the time to win the World Series, so less than any. And that had a total points of 23, so that is lower. Then the current format, that's at 25. Now, in, in the world of reality of what it's going to be, the current format is what I would take. And by that, I mean they're not going to go back to two leagues and then having a National League champion in America. It's just not happening. And they're probably not going back to what I grew up with as much as I would like it. Uh, that's not going to happen because it's going to cut revenue. But, man, if you are in a pennant race, that was the best. Because that's I think of the, the Cardinals and the Mets in the 80s, and that's why it was so passionate and September's were so great. Now it's like, oh, the Cardinals are going to the playoffs, but they're going to play this one game against the Dodgers. And, yeah. and then if they win, then what you're going to have happen is people go, man, the Cardinals are good. No, they're going to go, what a messed up format this is that a team that won as many games as the Dodgers got knocked out. And that's yeah. what you would have heard about because nobody wanted the Cardinals to win that thing outside Absolutely. of people in the St. Louis area. So then they go into the number of playoff teams, 12 or 14, and uh, the total points on that is 25. Under the 12-team format, there would have been um, one under 500 team and an additional three teams, 80 wins, two with 79 under the 14-team format. If you go back over the history of baseball in the divisions, uh, with under 500 teams getting into the playoffs, that's the risk of going to a 12 or 14 team format is that you have a team under 500 getting into the playoffs. Now, the association, which mm-hmm. you hold near and dear to your heart, that's and right. you're trying to force feed down the mouths of the listeners yep. of Tim and Boy, yeah. you will find teams under 500 in the playoffs. Yeah, oh yeah, often. Yes. Does they that bother you? No, nah, because they don't. They, uh, they get shipped. Yeah, six seed, I believe, is the highest, but that hasn't been for at least 30 years. So, uh, no, it doesn't bother me, but I think that uh, it makes the playoffs more fun, but it does make the regular season less important. And that, I think, is kind of what I, that I hold near and dear to my heart. Yeah, I hear you. I love an important regular season, which is why I think... I love college football as much as I do, even though my team isn't really a national championship contender all that often. Whoa. <laughs> I'll be lit up on Tiger Board, but i got to be honest here. Yeah. Uh, and that's probably why, if I were to theorize here, I'm not nearly into college basketball because it's the complete opposite. You would agree, right? I oh, mean, as yeah. a college basketball fan, I mean, Missouri could still theoretically <laughs> yes. make a run, yes. even though the first four months of the season have been the equivalent of a punchline. Right. You know, what are they, 10.5-point underdogs tonight against Tennessee, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah. That, that I, I prefer, and here's my reasoning. You might go, well, I love March Madness. That's fine. But how do you feel about November, December, January, February, and the first week of March? College football, yeah, the bowl season is essentially college basketball for those first four months, minus the handful of bowl games that have an impact on determining a champion. But you have September, October, November, and the first weekend of December. Right. And then, it's from my standpoint anyway, it's the best. And I think that's why. Now, I happen to grow up at a time where the Cardinals were relevant in most of the seasons in the 1980s. Not by any means every year, but most of those years. And so that was thrilling. But at the same time, the counter to that old setup is, well, what if you get in a spot where you're below 500 and you have a 1986 Mets and your season's over and you know it's over in July? And I understand that. And the wild card does keep teams and cities engaged when otherwise they wouldn't. 
But if you're playing 162 games, I feel like the name of the game should be crowning the champion. Now, of course, I'm operating in an idealistic vacuum because realistically, whatever is best for business is what's going to be done. And the networks want more games and the owners want more games because that means more revenue. But therefore, the regular season increasingly has a diminished amount of importance. Jackson, of the scenarios I have laid out, what would be your ideal baseball postseason format, sir? It scored the lowest, but I like what happened up until 2011. I that was the worst one. That, according to them, but it's what I grew up with, and that's what I like. Okay, so I, I gotta, I gotta give you that because my, I like the four-team format because it's what I grew up with. Right, and I but like, I think it's the right one. But of course, it's biased by the fact that it's what I grew up with. Honesty and media here. We're both. This biased. is honesty and media. DBA Tim yeah. and Boy. <laughs> Uh, what is your preference? Six five seven eight zero six five seven eight zero. September games in St. Louis were always the best. The chill in the air at Bush Stadium, the fans packing in, hearing Buck, Shannon, and the concourses. Boy, I couldn't agree with that. You just painted a picture. Yeah, that was nice. Uh, cold air, cold beer, hot Cardinals, so much fun. Man, it was. The, I really was. And then you won the division. And you're like, all right, now it's on. You know, the Braves in '82, the Dodgers in '85, the Giants in '87. Even in 96, the format you like, uh, they played the Padres in the first round. I was mm-hmm. in college. I remember driving into school uh, and from school from Missouri to go to those games. Um, and and once you beat the Padres, like, oh, man, now we're playing the Braves. Yep. And, and now you're a step away. Yep. It's like, okay, the Cardinals got to beat the Dodgers in this one-game thing, which is highly unlikely. Yeah, then you got that. the LDS. Okay. Oh, if they get in the LDS, now you can start getting excited about it. But now the game, now it's like late October – and I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of it going into the first or second that's, week of That's one of the things that was so great about the four-team format. Yeah. Uh, guys, if we we're going to expand the playoffs, I like the idea of buys or choice of opponent for top-seeded teams keeps incentive for being the best in the regular season. And that is something that they are talking about doing. That's for I the like, three and four. I like buys. I don't like choice of opponent. Not into that. <sighs> Why? I'm not saying I do. I'm just saying I'm, just, I, I, I'm obligated to ask It just why. doesn't seem – I don't know. It doesn't seem very – sportsmanlike I don't it might be a bad reason why I don't like it I just know I don't I don't like I like you play who you're pitted up against yeah but I mean that's I don't know I don't know who would be an example I don't know let's say like Tatis Jr. and his shoulder that keeps you know nagging him uh if he all of a sudden gets hurt in the final weekend of the season and you're going up against the Padres you'd be like man Let's take them. Yeah. You know, the MVP or an MVP candidate is out. Mm-hmm. Or the 2004 Cardinals, for as great as they were, they didn't have the best pitching, and they lost Chris Carpenter in the middle of September. Yeah. That was kind of a wounded team versus the team that had won 105 games with Carpenter at the top of the rotation. Yeah. Now that I think about it a little more, I would like the storylines of the team that did get picked by the best team and like the, like, oh, they want to play us. Like I kind of like that like underdog mentality there, but I still don't like it. Uh, how does the 69 to 93 have the most integrity when you just point out that an obscene home field advantage and cheating with air conditioning twice? Uh, well, I, it's just the numbers. And by the way, the way that they're calculating that is, did the team with the best regular season win? That's that's right. all that it is. And yeah, I mean, the Twins in 87 were not the best regular season team, but they won. But that's one year out of 30. So that is how we arrived at it. All right. As usual, I'm going too long and we got a break because we have So What'd Your Grandma Think coming up. And then it's BK and Ferrari at the top of the hour. You are listening to Tim and Boy, also known as Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
Sometimes the media asks bad questions. Not not a good question. Like, Coach, uh, how cool was it that it was a Wisconsin player that uh, sank the winning shot? Well, they're all Wisconsin players. Or, I'm doing a story about New Year's resolutions, and I was just wondering if you had any you wanted to share with your fans and our readers. Yeah, no, not right now. Okay, thanks. And when that happens, players will fire back. What? Bro, what are you talking about, man? Stop asking me stupid questions. Now it's time for... So what's your grandma think? Wonderful. What do we have, Jackson? Nathan McKinnon. Uh, not very recent, but still, nonetheless, a bananas question that I think we have to address. We'll take two more here for Nathan. Adrian Dater, Colorado Hockey Now. Uh, Nate, you know, I know you're a gamer and, uh, and all this, and, uh, you know, I'm just thinking maybe out loud as far as in your shoes right now, it's like, all right, we've done all the thinking we can do. We've done all the game planning we can do. Maybe, maybe, you know, just, it. we'll just go in next year and just not think anymore and just win this thing when we don't think so much. Is that, am I on the right path at all with this? Like maybe you just guys think a little too much. No. Last one here for Nathan. Mark Spector, Sportsnet. What? Okay, boys, that'll wrap her up. You're fired. (laughs) You're fired. BK and Ferrari up next. This has been Balloon Party DBA Tim and Boy on 101 ESPN. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors, We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.